Many Christians are claiming that the Bible permits homosexuality in a loving, monogamous relationship. Are these claims aligned with the biblical text? That's what we're going to be discussing today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hello, welcome to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. I'm your host, Robbie Lashua, and I'm here with my co-host, Tyler Hurley. Tyler, how's it going? It's going great. We're uh, just good to continue back with a series on homosexuality today. Yes, yeah, this is such a hot-button issue, um, and I've got a lot of questions about it from uh, listeners, people on social media, um, and so we want to um, ve- be kind and loving as we as we discuss these these hot button issues in our culture um, because as Christians that's what we're called to be and to do but we do think it's important that we think through these things and have an understanding of what scripture says and not only what it says but also why does God say it what what is his purpose behind these things and so we're going to be talking today about homosexuality and the Bible uh, but before we get into that we want to give a coffee tip because yeah, right. it's Christ culture and and coffee. coffee. And Robbie, you've got that tip, right? Yeah, I came across a really interesting um, recipe today. So this is something I'm 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 not going to guarantee everybody who listens to our show hasn't tried, but I would easily say the majority has not tried. All right? And it's called a cold brew tonic. Mm-hmm. And this is how you make it. Uh, you get cold brew, um, most preferably concentrated cold brew, so not kind of like the stuff you'd make and then just, uh, you know, you could drink a whole glass of it. But so you not the make, normal stuff. you got to get... Well, you don't have to get it differently. You can make it, but just make it super strong. Gotcha. So, So some places will make the concentrate, like, you know, really strong, and then they'll put, like, they'll almost use it like cold espresso. They'll put a shot in, then they'll add some water to it to, to make it less strong. And so that's, that's what uh, kind of the idea with this is. But to make a uh, coffee tonic, a cold brew tonic, what you want to do is get some tonic water. You can buy that basically anywhere, you know. And then um, you pour the tonic into the glass first because if you don't, um, then you'll have like a really bubbly f- fuzzy mess it'll it'll kind of once you put it in top of the coffee it mixes and it it forms this mess so you put the tonic in first and then you slowly pour the coffee on top of it Mm. and you can actually layer it and make it look pretty cool with the clear uh the clear tonic on the bottom and then you've got the cold brew kind of floating on the top Um, so it's really a pretty drink too um but it's it's um it's a refreshing drink right obviously you drink it cold um but the tonic water has kind of like a um Fruity, like limey. Have you ever had tonic water in anything? I actually don't think I have. Yeah, so it's got like this lime type aftertaste thing. And so what what everyone I've read on this drink is, is if you're going to make it at home, uh, plan on using beans that have more of a a fruitier uh, taste. Ah, okay. Right. okay. Um, and so, uh, like, beans from Ethiopia would be really good because those are generally fruitier. Uh, Latin America-based beans are more nutty, chocolatey-flavored. And it's not like you can't use it for a cold brew tonic, but they don't go as well as the fruitier kind. So if you're going okay. to if you're going to make this, I would definitely um, suggest using a fruitier bean, like an Ethiopian uh, bean or something like that, not a Latin American bean, um, because <laughs> it'll go way better with uh, with the tonic. And again, use yep. a concentrate. So make it like super strong, right? Like make use use a, a whole pound and make like you know. 
uh, I would say like 48 ounces or something, not like oh, wow. make five gallons. Oh, make, yeah. make just a little bit and use it as a concentrate and pour that on the top because what's going to happen is it'll mix into the tonic and the tonic will water it down, right? That's that's it's the mixer. That's what it's that's what it's doing. Um, and so when when you're doing it, yeah, use the the cold brew. And then use uh, use the tonic water, pour it right on top. Um, it's super refreshing. I've actually had one of these up at Driftwood Coffee. They they make these. They call it, I think they call it the Hemingway. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> wow. they have the tonic water, and then they have the espresso on top. And it is it's it's so it's really different, um, but it's really good. Yeah. Um, so right. definitely suggest this well, summer if you want to try a new drink, make a cold brew tonic at home. That's what I was gonna say. This is a good tip for the summer. Just adjusting with uh, the heat and everything. I mean, it's getting getting into hundred degrees during yeah. the mid-afternoon today here so yeah it's hot here in the valley that's for sure so definitely suggest using that and uh we haven't shared a recipe for a while so i thought man this will be a kind of a cool thing to talk about <laughs> yeah no kidding so that's good 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 coffee tip so getting into the topic for today uh the hom- homosexuality and the bible uh, i want to start off with saying that throughout the history of the church uh, christians have often used scripture to suppress certain people groups Right, and we've seen this happen with American slavery. Right, uh, I know I, I've read how pastors would use Ephesians six five to justify owning slaves. Uh, completely wrong, but they, see they twisted scripture to suppress uh, African Americans in order to keep them enslaved. Um, when I was in Rwanda in February, you know, I saw a, a whole bunch of stuff about how uh, the church in Rwanda would use 1 Samuel 15, 2 through 3, uh, to justify genocide. And in 1994, they did this. Um, Again, horrendous, right? People twisting scripture to suppress and ultimately harm a people group. Now, there's a similar situation happening today, Tyler. Uh, There are many Christians who are twisting scripture to suppress and ultimately harm a certain people group. Uh, And as Christians, I think it's our job to stand up for what's real and stand up for what's true. And instead of allowing people to be harmed, we need to stand up for truth in in an expression of love towards people. Mm -hmm. So instead of allowing people to be who they truly are, there are a lot of Christians out there who are twisting scripture to promote a lie that ultimately suppresses homosexual people. Uh, God loves homosexuals, and as Christians, we're called to love them as well. But we want to look at this this twisting of Scripture that's happening that ultimately is harming uh, homosexuals. Yeah, and so with that, we wanted to uh, go over basically— there's one group of Christians out there that's kind of well-known called the Reformation Project. Yep. And what the Reformation Project is doing is that they're using Scripture and twisting uh, certain aspects of different passages to kind of promote or uh, say that the Bible permits, I should say, the homosexual lifestyle. Yeah, this was this uh, group was started by a na- man by the name of Matthew Vines, mm-hmm. and um, man, they're doing a lot of stuff. Um, they're they're doing you know conferences around the country where they're where they're promoting homosexuality yeah. and that the Bible is is for mm-hmm. it. Um, they're saying that we've missing you know we've we've misinterpreted Scripture for two thousand years. Uh, right. That the church has got it wrong, and that um, basically uh, Scripture is against. Um, uh, 
what would I say? Um, promiscuous homosexuality. Yeah. It's against non-monogamous yeah. homosexuality. But if it's in a committed, loving relationship, they say that the Bible permits it. Right. That's what they would argue. And you know, something something that's interesting about this group too. I think it applies a lot to what we talked about last week's podcast, where we talked about. Um, believers and Christians like not conforming to what's happening with the culture around them. So mm-hmm. don't let people's arguments g- force you into conforming to what the culture says. So, yes. uh, and I think that uh, they're doing this here with the they, homosexual argument. They, they totally yeah. are. Well, what's going on is they're, they're trying to have Christianity and appeal to the culture yeah, of, of the homosexual right. movement. And man, I think the Bible is so clear in, in saying that homosexuality is is unhealthy for human beings, that it's not permissible anywhere in Scripture. And so that's what this whole show is about. Right, we want to yeah. go through and talk about that. But um, the, the, big, the big problem I see is that when people twist Scripture— Mm-hmm. To um, to fit their worldview instead of interpreting what the Bible says and believing it because there's evidence for it and God's proven Himself over and over again. When we twist it to fit our agendas, it ultimately harms people. Yeah, and that's what it did with American slavery. People twisted Scripture and it suppressed people. That's what they did with the genocide. It twisted Scripture and it harmed people. And and what the Reformation Project is doing is they're 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 casting it as we're open and we're liberating but but no there's a reason God says homosexuality is is wrong and yeah, it's because it yeah. harms human beings and next week's podcast we're going to get into the science right. of it and and how how destructive it is for humans to to live and behave that lifestyle but for today we want to talk about what scripture says but whenever we twist scripture it really harms people and and we are not about people being harmed we want people to be uh uh living the abundant life that jesus says we can and 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 living right. a full expression of humanity and what we were designed to be. Yeah, and so uh, I'm just going to go ahead and read through a list of 10 different arguments that the Reformation Project makes against the idea that the Bible does not promote homosexuality. So these are yeah. these are arguments saying that, that scripture supports it. Yeah, this is kind of like I, I like the joke. I like to say this is the Reformation Project's 10 commandments. Yeah, um, right. It's not it's, it's it, if you're look if you want to look for this, you can go on their website and I think it's under um I, I just yeah. took it offline today uh, off of online, I guess is how you say it. But it's under their um biblical case for homosexuality. So, here are the 10 reasons that they give that the Bible supports homosexuality. So, one, Condemning same-sex relationships is harmful to LGBT people. Two, sexual orientation is a new concept, one the Christian tradition hasn't addressed. Three, celibacy is a gift, not a mandate. Four, Sodom and Gomorrah involved an attempted gang rape, not a loving relationship. Five, the prohibitions in Leviticus don't apply to Christians. Six, Paul condemns same-sex lust, not love. Seven, the term homosexual didn't exist until 1892. Eight, marriage is about commitment. Nine, human beings are relational. And ten, faithful Christians are already embracing LGBTQ members of the church. All right, so so much to talk about here, and we, we can't get into everything, but we want to say, you know, is the Reformation's assessment, Reformation Project's assessment of Scripture accurate? Mm. And I would say no. Um, I would say no. Um, when, 
when you when you delve into this, sometimes you'll be. I, I've heard this objection a lot of times: is well, Jesus never talked about homosexuality. He never condemned it. And is that true or false? Well, that's true. But the thing is, is Jesus doesn't talk about a lot of things. Yeah, if 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 we're if we're being specific about the red letters in the text, right? The words Jesus of Nazareth spoke when he yeah. was on Earth. Then no, he didn't talk about homosexuality. But what are I mean? What are some other things he didn't talk about? Well, he didn't talk about certain illegal drugs that we yeah. have today. Right? He didn't talk he about didn't... spousal abuse. No. So didn't. is that okay? Like it's a weak argument. Yeah, yeah, it is. And you know, the thing is, is there's a lot of things that Jesus didn't say that we we know that foreknowledge that we know are still true, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. and like, and the other side of it is I kind of believe Jesus wrote the whole Bible. Well, yeah. Not just right. what he spoke while course, he was a yeah. human being, you know, 2,000 years ago. And so he does speak to it <laughs> through well, that's the, thing the you Bible. Gotta think about. Yeah. It's to, to claim, too, that Jesus never speaks on it, but then you have the Father speaking directly to a prophet, or yeah. you have you have a prophet speaking, like, through through to the people, like, God through him. You know, like, mm-hmm. just in that way, it's it's still Christ, because you got to think of the, the Trinity. This is yes. like, this is all coming from the one... God, right? Yeah. Well, so, and even if we take even if we take people at their word with that argument, I yeah. do think Jesus Jesus addresses it when he talks about marriage. All right. Yeah. So let me paint the picture of what's going on. We're going to talk about Matthew nineteen three through six, and what was going on here was um, the Pharisees come to Jesus and they ask him a theological question about the law, um, because there was an argument going on at the time <clears throat> about what was permissible grounds for divorce, and there was one group like the. I'd call them the traditionalists, who believed that when Moses said you can divorce your wife for an indecency, uh, it meant adultery, right? Yeah, it meant she was cheating right. on you. Then there was another group who was saying, oh, indecency, man, that could be anything. Like, she could burn my dinner. <laughs> I'm, literally, that's what they were arguing. Yeah, I remember this. They were arguing that. And, and so, um, so they were saying, man, an indecency can be whatever you want. So divorce is permissible according to the law of Moses, basically, whenever. And so they came to Jesus with this question, and they're kind of saying, which side of the argument, you know, which party do you align with? And I think it is fascinating what Jesus does here. Uh, do you want to read Matthew 19, 3 through 6 for us, Tyler? Yeah, sure. And so it says... Uh, Some Pharisees came to Jesus, testing him and asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? And he answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. So this is a fascinating answer. Think about what's going on. Jesus is confronted with the redefinition of marriage in his own culture, right? And he doesn't talk about what the law of the land is. Yeah, that's that's a good point there. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't it's, he doesn't talk about what Moses said yeah. in the law. He goes back to what? The focus is that it's a a man's and a woman's body are made and fit for each other to be together as one flesh for one lifetime. Yes, he goes back to the created order. Right. Yeah. He goes back to God's intended design, not what. Now think about this. Not what the law says. What God intended for human beings to be, all the way back to Genesis one. So his argument isn't based on the words written in the law. His yeah. argument is based so, on the teleos, the 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 design, the purpose uh, God created in human beings, and he states it: one man, 
one woman becoming one flesh, right? Right. And so that you're right. That's that's what marriage is. It's one man, one woman for one lifetime. And all throughout the Bible, it is consistent that that relationship is where sex is to be practiced. It's the only place where sex is to be practiced, according to to the to the Bible, unanimously. Yeah. In a one man, one woman, one lifetime relationship. Right, and that's you know, the intention. That, that's important to to talk about, I think, because because the thing is, is our culture lately, not even just with homosexuality, it's just pulling a whole different directions on where sex is to be practiced. They, they even it's even encouraged for people to uh, um, just seek out like out this desire in pornography and yes. lust and finding and heterosexual sin. Yeah, yeah, and the Bible, sin. and again, and as Christians, like I'm, I'm not for any of those things. Right. Like yeah. I, I, I think that the Bible is clear in condemning any sexual activity outside of a one yeah. man one woman marriage. And so that's what we see consistently all through the Bible. There's actually six um, activities that are constantly listed in the Bible that it condemns. Uh, the first one is adultery, right? Yes. This is all over the place. Now Tyler, what is adultery? Well, basically sex with someone other than your spouse. Yep, sex with someone other than your spouse when you're married. Right. Right? So adultery and yeah, that's, when you're that's, married, because yeah. that that would be fornication. Yeah, which is the next point. Which is the next one, fornication. Yeah. And that's such a weird word we don't use anymore. Would, would it, could you could you imagine like T-shirts with that word on? I think people would be confused about that, what it means. It's like what does that what does that mean? <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't get T-shirts with that on there. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bad idea. Oh, Sorry, a, strike great. that. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, fornication is sex with someone who's not your spouse before you're married, which would be mm. everybody. Does yeah. that make sense? Okay, yeah, it would be everybody. Um, rape is is condemned in the Bible. Forcing sex on someone who's not your spouse, right? Yes, right. What else is listed? Uh, we got incest. Incest. Now, what is think about what's incest? In- the sex with a brother or sister. Yeah, yeah. That's sex with someone. Now, think about it. That's sex with someone who cannot be your spouse. Right. Right. That's a, so, that applies. Adultery, sex with someone who's not your spouse after you're married. Fornication, sex with somebody who's not your spouse before you're married, which is everybody. Yeah. Rape, forcing yourself on somebody who's not your spouse. Incest, sex with a relative, which is someone who cannot be your spouse. The Bible also talks about bestiality, sex yeah. with an animal. That is sex with someone who cannot, or not someone, something yeah, right. that cannot be your spouse. Right? Yeah, right. And then... The sixth thing that the Bible condemns clearly multiple times is homosexuality, which once again is sex with someone who cannot be your spouse. Um, but that's the one that people are talking about is, you know what, this is the exception. But why? Yeah. Why? That's the question. Right? That, that's the question. And, and according to Jesus, when marriage is being talked about, he says, he defines what it is. One man, one woman becoming one flesh for one lifetime. Right. That's yeah. the definition of marriage to Jesus. He doesn't say that that can be uh, happening in a homosexual relationship. And so we want to kind of go through and look at uh, some of the stuff uh, that the Bible says about homosexuality in regards to these these arguments that uh, the Reformation Project makes. Um, so Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Right, yeah. Um, Genesis 19, we're not going to read through the whole thing because it's really long, but basically what happens is two angels go down to Sodom and Gomorrah. They go into Lot's house, and they tell him, we've come to destroy this city because the outcry has become so great against the Lord. Now note this. Uh, When we were looking at um, 
at uh, the Reformation Project's list here. Yeah. They, they mention Sodom and Gomorrah, and they say Sodom and Gomorrah involved an attempted gang rape, not a loving relationship. Now think about this. What happens in the story is the two angels go to Lot's house, and they say, first, we've come to destroy this place. Yeah, right. Because of the abominations, because of the outcry. Now, what happens next is men from the city come to Lot's house and say, hey, we saw these strangers come into your house. Let them out so we can have sex with them. And that's the gang rape that the Reformation Project is referring to. Yeah, right. But now think about this. God sent the angels to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah and to get Lot out of there prior to this gang rape situation happening. Yeah, so they're claiming that the cause of their destruction is the gang rape, but they were condemned before. Before. That's why the angels were there in the first place. So now, now yeah, right. it's just not a good reading of the, the text. Yes, I, an attempted gang rape took place. I'm with you. Right. But that wasn't the reason God sent them there in the first place. He already sent them there to destroy them because of an outcry, because of abominations. Mm-hmm. So so that argument to me is just really weak. That Yes, that's what, what was going on with these angels, but they'd come previously because God sent them because of crimes because of sin that had already occurred in Sodom and Gomorrah. Does yeah. that make sense? Oh yeah, definitely makes sense. So now let's 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 look at this a little bit. Um yeah, Genesis 19:13 specifically says, "We are about to destroy this place because their outcry has become so great before the Lord that the Lord has sent us to destroy it." This is prior to the gang rape. Mm-hmm. So there's already something that went wrong there prior to that. Now, what does the New Testament say? about the Sodom and Gomorrah situation. I think that this is fascinating. Mm. Uh, do you want to read for us Jude 7? Yeah, yeah, Jude 7, we have this passage says, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they in the same way as these indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. So that's New right. Testament. And yeah. this is actually, uh, Jude is one of Jesus' half-brothers. Yeah, So yeah. this is his half-brother's opinion. So maybe Jesus had a similar opinion. Yeah. Which right. is interesting, right? Right. And then, um, and then we even have, too, in 2 Peter 2, 7 through 8, he says, And if he rescued righteous law oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men, for by what he saw and heard that righteous man while living among them, felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by their lawless deeds. Yeah, so that's Peter's opinion. So one of the closest disciples, he defines what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah as sensual conduct of unprincipled men, right, Mm -hmm. and lawless deeds. Jesus' half-brother describes it as gross immorality and going after strange flesh. It yeah. seems that this wasn't just an attempted gang rape thing, but this was an ongoing punishment. Because think about it. If God was going to punish cities that had uh, people in them who committed a crime once, w- every city would be blown up. Oh, yeah. It was an ongoing thing. And if you yeah. read in, in Genesis 18, God sends them because this was a real huge issue that well, these people had been living in for a long time. Yeah, and well, the one other thing that I noticed about their argument is like the last sentence on that uh, point number four that they give for Sodom and Gomorrah says, the Bible explicitly condemns Sodom for its arrogance 
in hospitality and apathy towards the poor. Yeah. How many cities out there do that and don't get destroyed? Or even back then in biblical times. Yeah, well, and what they're referring yeah. to there, I think that this is, is interesting. When they say that the one of the reasons that it was destroyed was because of inhospitality, uh, they're referring to Ezekiel 16.49. And I want to read that. This is really interesting. So listen to what Ezekiel 16.49 says. All right. It says, Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had arrogance, abundant food, and careless ease, but she did not help the poor and needy. You see? <laughs> there it is. Yeah. The reason so- – this is what their argument is. The reason Sodom and Gomorrah was, was destroyed is because they didn't help the poor and needy. They were inhospitable to those around. Now, that's an interesting argument, right? You read that verse, you go, oh, man, that's crazy. But here's the problem, Tyler – if they would have just read the very next verse, it would have also brought into the, the homosexuality aspect. Let me read to you Ezekiel 16:50. Thus, they were haughty and committed abominations before me. Therefore, I removed them when I saw it. Abominations is a word that God uses for homosexuality in the Old Testament, in Leviticus specifically. Wow. Now, so again, they don't talk about uh, Ezekiel 16.50, but they point to Ezekiel 16.49 as their proof text. Whenever somebody gives you a proof text, ladies and gentlemen, please read the next verse or read the few verses before and after it to get the context yeah, of what's being yeah. said, because that clears up so many well, issues. There's a lot of times even I'm questioning something in Scripture. If you read a snippet of the passage, you sometimes you just have to go back and understand the whole context. Otherwise, you don't yep. get the message. Yeah, it's important to do that. So yeah, definitely do so that. There, so the their argument that um, that uh, Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed because it was an attempted gang rape, not a loving relationship. That's not true at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it was going to be destroyed prior to it. Jude and Peter tell us it was because gross immoralities going after strange flesh, right? Sensual conduct. Um, and the Ezekiel passage even says abominations. Mm, yeah. Kind of paints a picture of what was what was going on there. Now, another argument that the Reformation Project makes is about Leviticus, right? Now, this one is is a little trickier for us, and we, we need to think through it. Yeah. They say the prohibitions in Leviticus don't apply to Christians. And I, I think it's interesting in their subheading yeah. there, they admit Leviticus condemns male, same-sex intercourse, but the entire Old Testament law code has never applied to Christians in light of Christ's death. Then they say Leviticus also condemns eating pork, rabbit, or shellfish, cutting hair at the sides of one's head, and having sex during a woman's menstrual period, none of which Christians continue to observe. So this is interesting. How do we handle that? What does it mean that we we want to say homosexuality is condemned in the Old Testament? But, I mean, I eat shellfish. Yeah, I mean, I, right? I eat pork. Have I mean, you ever played football? You ever touched a pigskin? Yeah. Right? Uh, you wear clothing of mixed threads? Yeah. I mean, so so we it's true. We don't follow a lot of Old Testament laws. So yeah. why would we follow this one? Now— the question to ask is, uh, what does Leviticus say, and where does it right. say it? Because they would admit murder is wrong. Yeah, but you find that in Leviticus, don't you? Yeah, you find that in the Old Testament. Yeah, theft, theft lying, right? Yeah. right? So, so okay, There's... wait a second here. <laughs> we can't just say everything in the Old Testament no longer applies to humanity. But I, but I do agree that eating rabbit doesn't apply to me. I can eat rabbit. 
Right. So how do we how do we make sense of this? Well, let's look at Leviticus 18, which is one of the places that it condemns homosexuality. Do you want to go ahead and read Leviticus 18, 20 through 24? Sure. It says, you shall not have intercourse with your neighbor's wife to be defiled with her. Okay, wait. What's that called? Having Ad- sex with your neighbor's wife? What adultery. would you call that? Adultery. <laughs> if you're married, and that would be fornication uh, if you're not, right? Yes, correct. We talked about that. The Bible condemns both of those That's a clear definition things. right Yeah. There. You shall not do that. Okay, so keep going. Verse 21. Yeah, here we go. It says, You shall not give any of your offspring to offer them to Moloch, nor shall you profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. Okay, so this is, Moloch was a Canaanite god uh, that they would, um, the Canaanites would sacrifice their children to. Um, One of the ways they would do it is they had this huge statue of Moloch, and it was a bull head on a man's body, a huge uh, metal statue, and um, they would heat up a fire in the belly of this idol, and they would put their children on the outstretched arms of Moloch. Uh, and, and his arms being heated so much from the fire, um, it's grotesque, but what would happen is the children would roll down his arms, and as they were rolling down, um, the arms were so high, it would sear their bodies, and it would skin them alive as they rolled down into his mouth or belly and burn in the fire. And that's how child sacrifice was happening. And God says, don't do child sacrifice, right? Yeah. This I would horrible. be against that today. Yeah. Right? Like, no, yeah. our society would not allow for offering children to Moloch uh, either. So, yeah. no adultery or fornication, no child sacrifice. What does verse 22 say? Yeah, verse 22 says, You shall not lie with a male as one lies with a female. It is an abomination. There it is. What is that called? An abomination. And that is yeah. homosexual behavior. Yep, homosexuality. Yep, don't do that. All right, what's verse 23 and 24 say? says, also you shall not have intercourse with any animal to be defiled with it, nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It is a perversion. What is that called? That is bestiality. Bestiality. Condemned. Now, right? I, think, I think verse 24 is very interesting. Go ahead and read that. Yeah. Do not defile yourselves by any of these things, for by all these the nations which I am casting out before you have become defiled. Think about this, Tyler. This is interesting. He doesn't say uh, the nations which I cast out before you, right, which is the Canaanites. He doesn't say that the nations which I cast out before you became defiled by eating lobster (laughs) or by not shaving the hair next to their head or by uh, eating pork or by eating rabbit. They're defiled by sexual immorality. And child sacrifice. And child sacrifice. That's what's described here. It's interesting, okay? Yeah. So— Going back to the Reformation Project's uh, argument, because some people will say, well, the Old Testament laws don't apply to us. Um, yes and no. Um, I definitely, like I said, I eat lobster and I have no problem with it. I eat pork, I have no problem with it, right? Um, but when it comes to child sacrifice, murder, um, adultery, fornication, homosexuality, I still think that applies to human beings. But how do we look at this as Christians? How do we, how do we make those distinctions? A couple of things. Um, let me, let me start by saying this, Tyler, um, uh, until, uh, when I was a kid, uh, I had friends who lived in different states. Right. And in different states, like in Alaska, when I was a kid, uh, you could get your driver's license like a year or two earlier there than you could in Arizona. And I was bummed out about it. I thought, how unfair is that? Right. Now the question becomes this, which state was right in giving out driver's license? Both. Both. Yeah. 
But but wait right. a second, it's so unfair to me, man. I had to wait until I was 16 to get a driver's license, and other people right. could get it at 15 or 14. Like, how unfair is that? So so morally, was Arizona right or wrong? No, they were right because because it didn't doesn't ma- doesn't matter because what happens is for Alaska it is the laws out there are different based on the population so they're going to have less people less people on the roads right sure and then it, there's less of a need for drivers to be older so they can have them start younger but here in Arizona right yeah. there's more uh, so there's reasons why they have these laws but it doesn't mean that it's immoral for Arizona I mean for Alaska to give out driver's license earlier yeah. than it is for Arizona it's not yep. immoral I agree I don't think these are like moral laws yeah. I think they're just yeah. the, the right answer is which one's correct well it depends on where you are Right yeah It depends on if you're in Alaska that one's correct because that's what law you're under and if you're in Arizona that one's correct because that's the law that you're under Yeah So there's some right. Old Testament laws that are like that that apply only to the Israelites under the theocracy of God during that time period. Why? Uh, because that's the law they were under, their driver's license laws. The laws I look at like that are the dietary restrictions, are the hair trimming, the purity, the you know the purification, the ceremonial laws. Yeah, right. Those don't apply to us uh, and haven't applied to us. Uh, Acts 15 is kind of clear on this. However, Acts 15... At the Jerusalem Council, they do still say that sexual perversion is a bad idea and that Christian, <laughs> that Gentiles yeah, need to yeah. observe that. So here's the deal. Murder is illegal in Alaska and it's illegal in Arizona. Really? Yes. And it's illegal in Germany and it's illegal in Mexico. And even if it wasn't illegal because of a human government, it's morally wrong for all people, for all times, in all places. It was wrong for the Israelites – 4,000 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. No, 3,000 years ago. And it was it's wrong for us today in America living here in Arizona. There are some things that are moral laws that transcend um, what, what local law you're under. Does that make sense? Oh, and, yeah. And so the question becomes, where does homosexuality fit into that? Is that a dietary restriction, driver's license type law that no <laughs> longer applies to us? Or is it like, murder, and adultery, which still do apply to us because it's a moral law for human beings. And I think that um, we get a clue based on where it's listed in Leviticus. Notice in Leviticus 18, what, what is homosexuality smack dab in the middle of? Prohibitions against adultery and fornication, yeah. prohibitions against child sacrifice, prohibitions against bestiality. Well. All of those yeah. things, the Reformation Project would be against all of those things. And it's, it's in the, the exact middle of it. And it, Yeah, it's in the exact middle of those. Yeah. It, if homosexuality was prohibited amongst don't eat shellfish, don't eat rabbit, don't cut your hair, or do cut your hair, whatever it is, yeah. um, I, would, I would say, okay, well, that's, that's interesting because it seems to be that type of law. But it's not listed there. It's, it's listed not. in things. Yeah. And think about this. It's not just a law for Israel because God's literally saying the other nations did this stuff and that's why I cast them out. So God was holding the Canaanites responsible for doing these type of things, which means it's not just a law for Israel. It's also a law for other people. Yeah, yeah, that's important. It's crazy to think, too, that you would look at this and then think, you know what? No, you. how, how can you see that there's an exception 
in all of these sexual and immoral laws and then mm-hmm. the child sacrificing when you can clearly disagree with <laughs> literally everything around that because you know yes. inherently you're like that is bad and the reformation project would agree that adultery is wrong that's yeah. one of their big, the, and big they arguments and they would agree that they sacrificing agree. children yep. is wrong and bestiality that's, they would agree with that yeah so how do so, you pluck homosexuality right out of the middle of those right, yeah. and try to make it a driver's license law you can't it can't be done it it's, it's bad yeah. hermeneutics and so I would say it still applies but here's the kicker Let's throw out Leviticus just for the sake of the argument. The New Testament condemns homosexuality, right? Now, again, in the New Testament, you have dietary restrictions being lifted. You have Paul and Peter eating with Gentiles, right? You have the whole vision that Peter sees that all animals are clean with the sheet coming down from heaven. You don't have anything like that about homosexuality in the New Testament. In fact, you have condemnation of homosexuality in the New Testament as well. Right, and and yeah. the best place to go is Romans chapter 1, right? Romans chapter 1. And Paul is just talking about humanity and how they have exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they worship idols. Um, but I want to I read um, Romans 1, uh, 26 and 28 Let me re- through 28. Let me read that. Yeah. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions, Their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural, and in the same way also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper." Now, the Reformation Project argues that Paul wasn't talking about committed relationships, right? What exactly? Let yeah. Me, let me look on the list. What do they say here? Yeah, he says that Paul condemns same-sex lust, not love, right? Yeah, Paul condemns same-sex lust, but not love. Uh, I want to read the rest of that. The Reformation Project says, like other ancient writers, Paul describes same-sex behavior as the result of excessive sexual desire on the part of people who could be content with opposite-sex relationships. He doesn't have long-term loving same-sex relationships in view, and while he describes same-sex behavior as unnatural, he also says men having long hair goes against nature, and most Christians read that as a reference to cultural conventions. Now, a couple of things about this. Uh, They aren't giving any proof of that opinion. They're just saying what Paul meant was this, right? He's not, he's not condemning long-term loving same-sex relationships. That's not what he has in view here. Well, how do you know what he has in view? Because you, you've given us no argument for what he has in view. And I think in the text, um, we, we have clues for what Paul meant by this. Notice, he is making an argument that homosexuality is wrong based on the word function, right? Mm, Women, yep. think about this is the only place in Scripture where lesbianism is condemned. And it's not in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. <laughs> he says women abandon the natural function, right? And in yeah. the same way, man abandoned, uh, men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts. The word function here in Greek is the word krisis. Mm. It's not the word – think about this, Tyler. It's not the word love. It's not agape. It's not phileo. It's not eros. Eros is sexual love in Greek, right? And it doesn't say that they were in love or there was desire. He's arguing function. Function. It's the way men and women fit together. It's like a plumbing type term.
term. It's a it's a mechanic term, mechanical term. It isn't um, desire, love, affection, monogamy, long lasting relationship. So he's going. Again, he's going saying that they're going against the natural order of things. Yeah, it's 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 how things are supposed to fit together, and they're going against. They're abandoning the natural way things fit together. Yeah, that's right. what he's saying. So, so this idea that oh, Paul's not talking about a loving relationship. That love has nothing to do with his argument anywhere. He doesn't use the word love anywhere in here. He doesn't use the word desire, affection, um, uh, long-lasting relationship. It's not even in the text. He's talking about how things fit together. And I, I've summarized what he what he um, characterizes same-sex behavior as in this passage. Listen to this. Mm. Paul characterizes it as a lust of the heart, an impurity that's dishonoring to the body, an indecent act, an error, unnatural, not proper, and the product of a depraved mind. Yeah, he he's not he's not for it, and it's not he's not saying I'm against this when it's exhibited in uh, you know temple prostitution, or I'm against this when it's exhibited in in non loving, non monogamous, non committed relationships. He's saying I'm against this behavior. Like this is not how things are supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, that's that's so important too. To I, I just love the way that you broke it down right there because it's all in the text. You can see it clearly in each of those passages that it defines it as those things. And so it's it, it it's just really hard to see how you would look at what Paul is saying here and turn that into being in support of homosexual behavior. Yes. No, yeah, it is. And and this is the thing. We we're, we're not getting into all of the passages that talk about homosexuality. Yeah. Um, but right. but just with these ones, um the Bible is clear that that God is against the behavior of homosexuality. And now I want to say this. And and at the end of the at the end of the month, we're going to talk about how do we love people that are behaving in ways that God condemns. And now listen, all of us have behaved and still behave in ways God condemns, right? So it's not about condemning people, but it's about condemning sin and being against sin. And man, I'm against sin and God's against sin. Why though? Because it hurts us. It brings death. It's not healthy for human beings to continue behaving in any type of sin because it's extremely harmful to us. And when, when people are twisting scripture... And what it clearly says, in order to allow people to commit actions that harm them, man, I'm really against that. I don't mm, want yeah. to suppress people groups or allow for behaviors that hurt people. And that's what we're going to talk about next week, uh, the harm that, that this type of behavior brings. But I want to be clear that God loves all people, that I love all people, that as Christians we're supposed to love our neighbor, and that means your Muslim neighbor, your homosexual neighbor, your Mormon neighbor, your atheist neighbor, whatever. We're supposed to love people. Um, but uh, I, I'm very against behavior that destroys people. And so is, yeah. and so is God, right? And so is God. And, and that's the message we want to take is, is we love people and we're not condemning people, but we want them not to um, exhibit actions that, that harm them and bring pain and suffering in, into their life. And that's, yeah. that's why I, I think right. nowhere in Scripture— Old Testament and New Testament, there is not a passage where homosexuality is condoned or even hinted at being permissible. Yeah. Nowhere. Yeah, right. And then something something else that's important to point out, too, is God doesn't create these laws just to—I've heard the term cosmic killjoy. 
sure. before. He he's not he's not out there just to ruin people's happiness and fun. Like he, he, the the reason that this is in the text in scripture and that homosexuality is condemned is because it's harmful. Yes, there, there's something that's so much better that he created for human beings, and he just he wants us to be able to thrive in that. In and that God, nation. God's for pleasure. Yeah, you know yeah, he's right. the guy who made it all. That's, yeah, that's Satan hasn't to... ever. Think about this. Yeah. Satan demons have never invented a pleasure, have they? No, oh, they've taken away from it. <laughs> yeah, they take the pleasure God intends and they twist it for for human beings, and and we use it in ways that ultimately hurt us. Yeah. Um, and so God's for pleasure. He's for ultimate pleasure. He's for exhibiting it and and doing it in the best way possible. He's not a cosmic killjoy, um, but he he does want us to operate in the way that he created us to be because it's most beneficial for us. It's a loving thing, right? Yeah. And then we're gonna we're gonna get more into the harmful aspects of it next week. But yes. But the 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 point in this podcast specifically was to talk about why. Uh, the Bible is ta- bringing up homosexuality as immoral in that it does, in fact, say that it is immoral. Yeah, what the Bible says is important as we go forward, especially because there are groups out there like the Reformation Project that are, that are I mean, literally, they're twisting Scripture to fit what they want. Yeah, And, and yeah. we shouldn't do that with any subject. We should right. always clearly read, okay, what does the text say? And the other thing is this, Tyler. For 2,000 years of church history— the church has unanimously agreed on this issue. Yeah. Think about how bizarre that is. Because you've got Greek Orthodox Church and, and Roman Catholic Church splitting from each other. You've got the Protestant Reformation splitting off, right? So many different So many disagreements. Calvinism, yeah. Arminianism, right? I mean, so many disagreements, so many brutal fights about doctrine. But when it comes to this, everybody's agreed. Why? Yeah, right. Because it's so clear. Yeah. And it's I, stated so clearly. And so— yeah. to, I, I just it's hard for me to say that for two thousand years the church hasn't understood this and they've all been wrong. Everybody I've ever liked reading from Augustine to C. S. Lewis to G. K. Chesterton, right? Uh to Thomas Aquinas, all of these guys were completely wrong about this. It's yeah, just hard yeah. that's a hard pill to swallow. And and as a believer like listening to this podcast or uh non believer just in general, and uh, I, I just hope that you took the time to think through the passages we were sharing with you on here and uh, just kind of hope that this podcast paints a picture of the Bible and how it's viewing homosexuality. Yes, and and a distinction I really want to make is uh, I'm against the behavior of homosexuality yes, right. because it harms people, but I am for homosexual people. Well, yeah, I'm for yeah. all people. I want all people to understand the love and the joy that Jesus can bring. And so this isn't condemning people, but yeah. it's it's definitely condemning behavior right. that harms people because I love them and I don't want them to be harmed. Yeah, I love homosexual people too. I, I have friends that are homosexual. I have friends that have same-sex attraction. I have like uh, that's the thing. Like you, we we love the people how uh, for who they are created in God's image, but the yes. action is harmful to them, and we love them. And I think it's loving to explain to them and to show them that they are harming themselves in that way. I think so too. And yeah. and that's what we want to do. We want people to live the life that God has designed them to live, uh, the abundant life that Jesus yeah, promises. Right. And so next week we're going to talk about not what, what the Bible says, but why it says it and um, the, the harm that can come 
through living and exhibiting homosexual behavior. And so we're going to get into the science of it next week, um, which is a good apologetic argument to use with your friends who don't think that the Bible's uh, an authority source. Yeah, we, we can yeah. show them these statistics and the science behind it and say, hey, this is a harmful behavior for human beings to exist in. But um, we want this podcast to equip you uh, to be able to defend your faith and to be confident in your faith. And um, it's always good for me to see that there's a why behind what God says. God always proves that what he says is right. good, not just because he says it, but because it has evidence backing it up. Yeah, and that's that's really important. So again, I hope this podcast was beneficial to you. Um, uh, if you want, go ahead and follow us on our social media platforms. Uh, we have a Facebook group now. Uh, we have Instagram, and we're kind of just expanding in that way, and we would love for you to be a part of it to uh, just kind of see the bigger picture of what's going on with Christ, Culture, and Coffee. And again, as always, you can go ahead and send us a direct message on one of our social media platforms with any questions you have about the podcast, or send us an email at ChristCultureCoffee at gmail.com. Yeah, I would love for you to be a part of the of the group on Facebook. We're going to start putting exclusive content on that page, stuff you can only get if you go there. So please uh, go on Facebook and sign up to be part of our CCNC Insiders group. Yes. Well, thanks for for being with us today on Christ Culture and Coffee. We do appreciate you listening. Um, it's just it's it's cool to see all over the world the different countries, the different cities that are listening. So thanks so much for doing that, and we will be back next week to follow up with this series. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Christ Culture and Coffee. If you liked this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to help us reach more people.